So, yeah, this was um, interesting thoughts going through my mind when I was thinking about doing this in the middle of everything, the middle of Manhattan, and uh, people walking by, and people listening to the music, and who's that? What What's going on over there? Maybe even a stranger kind of leans over. Wow, that's, that's kind of troublesome, that wind there. Um, I said, what are you? embarrassed are you ashamed you know you think will we worship the same way out in the middle of city park as we worship in some hidden away building will we the bible talks about shouting and letting people know how much you love god in front of everybody and uh, so do we hide away when we do that or are we proud and uh, i think that's uh, all kinds of interesting things i think that's a sonic device to keep the bats out of the thing up there because they're bonkers they go bon it's pretty scary if the bats are going so I, I figured that's what that is so i'm not going to be abducted by aliens it's just a strange noise that goes off every so often for the bats but it made me think of this scripture whoever is ashamed of me and my words the son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of his father and the holy angels so that's what jason was talking about uh, at the workplace, are you in the secret service in your college class? Yeah, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm, you know, I'm secret service. I'm staying low. I'm trying to look like all the other people, and I just worship Jesus on the sly. Uh, the apostles weren't in the secret service, and Jesus himself was certainly loud and proud about who he was and what he was doing. And I think a lot of times we wonder why God's not doing more in our midst. Why aren't we seeing miracles? Why why we read about the empowering of the Holy Spirit and how you know the power of God just followed some people through their life? I try to show you these people from history all the time in our seminars. It's just jaw-dropping, but one of the things about them was there was no shame. They would you sit next to them and most of them are it's from days gone by, but the equivalent would be you sit next to them on an airplane, they're going to hear about Jesus. You're uh Hanging out in a coffee shop and looks like you're killing time, they're killing time, they're going to hear about Jesus. You're in their family, they're going to hear about Jesus. So it just made me think about this. Why would I have any reservation at all about being in the middle of everything, raising my hands, worshiping God, and saying the name of Jesus? The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Not God, not whom it concerns in the sky, not some vague concept of deity that everybody can... Jesus. There's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So, and this just got my mind going. And uh, it got my mind back to this idea of hanging out with Jesus and having coffee. So here, I got two coffees. But compliments of brothers. Uh, a new friend, he owns brothers. And I uh, stopped by this morning, he gave me a co uh, coffee. And uh, so I thought, hey, I'm going to help you guys. Who is Jesus? And are we standing for Jesus? And the best way to find out who Jesus is, is to talk to Jesus himself. Because there's all kinds of concepts about Jesus. So that's what we've been doing for weeks. Been thinking about having coffee. Oh, here comes Jesus. Hey, Jesus, come on over. I got a coffee for you from brothers here. Hope you like cream and sugar. Um, mine's a latte. But uh, anyway, we're going to have a conversation. And we've looked at who did Jesus say the father was? What did Jesus say about the poor? 
What did Jesus say about himself? Everybody on planet Earth, except the horribly obtuse, knows that there was a guy in the first century by the name of Jesus. But there's, what, how many? Six, seven billion? I don't even know. Lose track. People on Earth. Uh, so there's about probably three billion different conceptions of who Jesus is on planet Earth. Do you have the right one? Do you have the wrong one? Just a historical figure. Anyway, so I thought, hey, let's sit down with Jesus and let's see what he says. So, uh, sorry about the wind. So the first thing, if we said, Jesus, who did you think you were? Or who do you think you are? Because um, we want to know, because we want to get this thing right. What did you think about yourself? I think the first thing he'd want us to know is, I warned you that there would be a gazillion wrong conceptions of me out there. Just saying, I believe in a man, a moral teacher, a deity, a quasi-deity, someone who became a deity, someone, whatever, a good guy by the name of Jesus, a prophet, ain't going to cut it. You got to get this one right. He said in Matthew 24, uh, many will come in my name. He said, false prophets, false Christ will arise and deceive many. So the first thing we need to do is, hey, let's go right to the horse's mouth, so to speak, right to the lamb's mouth, I guess you'd say, and say, hey, who are you? What would you say about yourself? This is not on the, you, you got to get this point because I don't think you're listening to me. What this means is what you have in your head and who he is may not line up. No, you, I'm talking about you. In our church, everybody thinks they're in the right church. Do you think, okay, let's, there's a Baptist church, there's a Catholic church, there's a Mormon, whatever they call it, temple, there's a Jehovah's Witness meeting place, there's, they all believe in Jesus and they're just as convinced they got it right as you are. Just as convinced. And so Jesus, tell us a little more about that. He, Jesus is like, many are going to say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. They saw miracles. We saw answers to prayer. Sorry about the wind. We saw miracles. How do I fix that? And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Okay, Jesus. Well, tell us a little more. Is there some wind function on the soundboard over there? What's that? Not that bad. Well, I'm getting it up here. So, okay. So, okay. Tell me, for, tell me about the real Jesus. Well, Jesus would say, well, in the first place, if you believe in the real Jesus, uh, it could get you killed. If you believe in the real Jesus, it could get you killed. Is that the Jesus you're following? You're going to be hated because the real Jesus and who he thought he was and who his first disciples thought he was, it comes like a fork in the road and anytime you present it to people they have to choose whether they're going to honor him or whether they're going to hate him it's just he said that's the nature of things this could get you killed and so he said don't be surprised if people hate you in the sermon on the mount men revile you persecute you say all kinds of evil against you falsely that's one thing that's true of me um this could get you killed but 
He also said, but the real Jesus will give you life. So I'm thinking through the book of John. John has this water theme. He meets a woman. She's an immoral woman at a well. She's there during the middle of the day because she doesn't want to be around the other women because she's that kind of a woman. Maybe she slept with several other husbands. Maybe she wrecked a couple houses. She comes to the well in the middle of the day. Jesus befriends her. And he knows that she's, she's even from a, a race that the Jews hated. He said, hey, could you get me a drink? And she said, whoa, why is this guy talking to me? And why would he want to touch something that I touch, like my dipper, and actually put to his mouth what I would put to my mouth? Why is this guy giving me dignity? And uh, she says, how is it that you being a Jew can ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan and you guys hate me? And she said, if you knew who was talking to you, you'd ask me and I'd give you living water. I'd give you life. So the real Jesus can get you killed, but the real Jesus can give you life. And then in, and then in uh, John chapter 7, he says, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he says, anyone who comes to me, you're going to have that deep soul thirst satisfied by me. So, yes, you can be killed, but you know you're on to the right Jesus because uh, you're no longer crazy. Religion is no longer a burden. That depression... It's starting to lift that anxiety, that fear. Perf my perfect love is starting to help you sort all that out. It, some things don't happen like that, but they happen. Amen? So you know you're following the true Jesus because, yeah, it can get you killed. But you know you're following the true Jesus because you're experiencing some really great things that, apart from me, you've never experienced before and the world knows nothing about. So is that the Jesus you're following? Here's another one. <laughs> The real Jesus is just absolutely outrageous. We're used to the things he says, but if he was literally a guy sitting across from me at Brother's Coffee or Starbucks, the things he said were just flip the table over, put your coffee all over the place. Like what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Well, Jesus, the Jesus we worship, you know, at Sunnyville uh, Progressive Church, is uh, all roads lead to heaven, Jesus. Well, that's a false Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, I think you were just a little naive and you weren't really aware of other world religions. Oh, wasn't I? Uh, Israel wasn't dealing with, I had the Old Old Testament uh, at my at the ready, it was all there memorized in my brain. Uh, I understood about other religions. I knew what they were about. I, I knew that their moral codes were similar. But he said, look, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And if you look at my first followers, they were told to shut up and stop saying that. And they said, there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So the true Jesus is like, there's only one way. Um, I think there's some people that have kind of come to our church and they've heard this strong message and they've slid out because that's too strong. And sometimes they'll get mad at the messenger. I'm just going to the book, the only book we had. The book his earliest followers wrote about who he was, what he taught. They said there's only one way. Well, I don't like that, Jesus. Well, could you possibly be in one of those groups that is promoting a false Jesus? And if not, you're going to have to figure out why you and Jesus are at odds here because I didn't make up those lines. What else? What other kind of things did he say? Well, the apostles, once the same chapter in John 14, 
He said, who's God? Can you imagine a human being saying this? I'm at coffee with this guy. Who is God and what's he like? Just watch me. Have I been with you for so long and you haven't figured this out? Watch me. Outrageous. Outrageous stuff. Is your Jesus outrageous? Or is he kind of a please everybody? Yeah, there's a there's a preacher that I listen to sometimes. It's amazing how he can speak to thousands of people and nobody in the whole place get offended. You you get radically different conservative politically, conservative religiously, liberal, conservative, everything across the board, political parties. He can preach a sermon and nobody feels at odds with this guy. How does he do that? Could he possibly be following the Jesus that you either had people that were ready to lay down their lives for him or they're saying, kill that guy? He says outrageous things. Here's another one. Jesus, what does it take to follow you? I mean, to be one of your people. Because in our little group, it's a sinner's prayer. You go to Bible club, they do a flannel graph, or maybe some watch some cartoon video. That's old school flannel graph. The computer graphics now, but anybody know what a flannel graph is? <laughs> so uh, that's what you used to do. You, and, and the kids sing. And then you pray a little sinner's prayer, right? Follow after me. And I always... I can never like get the dinner prayer, rub dub dub, thanks for the grub out of it. But I think sometimes that's how banal and meaningless our sinner's prayers are. Rub dub dub, thanks for the grub, grub, coming to my heart, giving you start, you know, whatever. Uh, okay, you're in. You're you're going to heaven now. So I guess we'll see you in 60, 70 years, and you know, try to try to be a good guy, find a good church, and go there on Sunday, pay your tithes, and that's all that's required of you. And Jesus is like, no, I, I demand complete, total submission, surrender, and obedience. No, no, no. That's Those are those kooky churches. And that same passage that I just read from, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. You don't come to Jesus with your long-term plans, your career goals, um, say, okay, well, I met you today, Jesus, but here's the path I'm on, and uh, I just need a little pixie dust to make sure it all works out. You know, I have, I, I really want a, an, an amazing spouse, and I'd like a little house in the suburb, close to my parents, because i got to see the grandkids. I want to, you know, pad my 401k. They say I need about $2 million to make it in those last, you know, 20 years or so. So, I've said a little prayer, you know, a little sinner's prayer, I want you in my heart. It's like, what in the world are you talking about? This is where is that in the Bible? I want complete surrender, allegiance, obedience. I don't need you to give me your plan. The day you follow me is the day you die, and then I tell you what the plan is. Is that the Jesus you're following? Save your life or lose it. Another one is this outrageous individual continually, like I just said, is claiming to be God. Can you imagine a human being at a coffee shop? John 8, he keeps using this I am phrase. Unless you believe, and sometimes in our English we lose it, but he says, unless you believe that I, I am, unless you believe that I am, unless you believe that I am, you'll die in your sins. 
And you're like, well, what are you doing? Well, I'm kind of a Bible scholar. And I say, wait a minute, Jesus, are you actually comparing yourself to the great I am in the Old Testament? And he keeps doing it. Because when Moses met Yahweh at the burning bush, that's what, that's essentially, if you knew the language, that's what he was saying. Who shall I say sent me? I am. That's who God tells Moses he is. So when Jesus drops this all through John, he's saying, I'm God. And then at the end of John chapter 8, he says, in case you missed it, before Abraham was born, and we're talking about someone who's around 2,000 years before Jesus was literally born in Bethlehem, before this guy was born, I am. They pick up stones to kill him. So is this, is the Jesus that we're standing up for, unashamed of, and if you're ashamed of him, if you're ashamed of any of this, ashamed of many, you know, one road to God, this man who claims to be God, the only way, exclusive, wants total devotion from you. If you're ashamed, he says, well, I'm going to be ashamed of you. And one of the reasons I think, I really believe it's one of the reasons we're not seeing revival is we're trying to lay low. We're trying to, we're trying to be political. We're trying to, uh, we're trying to make it palatable. Jesus never did that. His early followers never did that. And they said, hey, if you want to kill me, kill me. But this is who I am, and this is what I'm about. He claims to be God over and over again. What's also interesting is he lets people worship him. Can you imagine having a friend? Guy's pretty holy. Guy's pretty spiritual, does some cool stuff. Someone falls down at his feet and says, my Lord and my God. And he just goes, about time you got it. Can you imagine that? This is who he is. And in certain churches, that's embarrassing. No, early Christians kind of embellished. They just got excited. You know, we have this huge statue of Johnny Caw over there. There was never a guy a gazillion feet high who cut the Caw River or whatever he's supposed to have done. And Paul Bunyan is a myth. But ultimately, it was attached to a real person who did some real things. What is that John Henry guy who beats the steam shovel with this, you know, the red, I don't know if you remember all those old American myths. But that's kind of Jesus. He was a great guy and he did some cool stuff. But then people got carried away and embellished him and made him God creator of the universe. Well, we don't have any record of anybody who ever thought anything else. We don't have any ancient tradition of some simple guy that was all blown out of proportion. All we have was a guy that did outrageous things, claimed to be God, wanted, demanded complete devotion from his followers. So again, brought to coffee with Jesus. Who are you? He's telling us this stuff. We get so lost in the Bible. It gets so normal to us. We lose how shocking it is. He says the craziest things. Is this your Jesus, and are you ashamed of him? Or are you going to start telling the world, your family, they need him? Are we going to start praying like the people do in Scripture? Because there are two roads you know, that you can go down. There's a way that's narrow that leads to life. He said that. There's a way that, to destruction leads to death. And the one is broad. The one is narrow. Many people are entering by the broad way. And all the best evidence from Jesus' mouth is, they're going to spend an eternity away from him. Well, that Jesus is embarrassing. Well, that's the only Jesus we got. Is this your Jesus? I was also thinking about this. If 
we were in one of those eras where Christians are being persecuted, I would hope, I'm pretty sure it would happen, that I'd go, go to jail today. Hallelujah, I'd go to jail because I think I'm getting it close enough to the real Jesus that Satan would want me to shut my mouth and I'm trying to propagate this and I'd get into big trouble. So, I've, I've said this before, if you're brought into a court of law, would there be enough evidence to convict you of following the real Jesus? Not going to church, not teaching Sunday school. That can be just social climbing. But preaching the real Jesus, the God-man, the one who died for the sins of all, who we all have to bow before if we're going to spend eternity with the Father, who perfectly represents the Father to us. Uh, another thing about the real Jesus, you know, Jesus, um, I was watching TV the other day, and this is common now. There are certain churches that say, you love us just as we are, meaning I can keep doing all the same things that I was doing before I met you. I can keep the sexual habits going exactly like they were going before I met you. I can maintain the identity I had of myself. Um, what would Jesus say? No, everybody that meets me has to change. Because their problem is they're in bondage to sin and lies. This world's full of sin and lies. And when you come to me, you're full of sin and lies. So if you, anybody that claims to have met me, any one of you guys, if you can't tell me, I got a royal smackdown when I met the real Jesus. I thought this was okay. Now, is he mean? Is he taking away stuff that's good for us? No, he's taking away things that are going to kill us. He's taking away lies about him, lies about ourselves, lies about the world, lies about what's valuable, and replacing them with gold. He said, if you abide in my word, you're really my disciples. You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. This is the real Jesus. He said, there's going to be millions of false Jesuses. Which one are we following? And are we going to be loud and proud? Are we going to take the blows? Again, I don't know. I just can't even drive it home. I don't think it's it's really working that well. But you're talking to a human being in Starbucks, and he says, do you know that there's going to come a time when I'm going to judge all of mankind? Have, have any of you ever had a crazy friend? Let me see those hands. Put them high. Crazy family member, right? What if that friend told you they were someday going to sit at the right hand of God the Father and judge all of humanity? Jesus, the real Jesus, is either off the chart bonkers or we better just start following him with abandon. But that's what he said. When the Son of Man comes with all his angels and sits on his glorious throne, the nations will all be gathered before him. And he'll he's saying, I'm going to separate them all out. You over there, you over there, you over there, you over there. Little group here over there, you 10,000 people over there. And you heard me say this before. One time I was praying and I was like, and what's going to be your attitude? Are you going to be mad? And I just remember immediately getting this impression. I'm going to be weeping. And I was like, well, how would you back that up with Scripture? He says, well, well look what I'm doing when I'm judging my own nation of Jerusalem, weeping 
I don't want anyone to be lost. But the fact is they're going to be lost and I'm going to judge them all. So the real judge, Jesus says, I'm judge of all. I'm God. I'm judge of all. I demand full surrender, obedience. And I need you to be loud and proud because you have the message of salvation. Because I came to earth to die for your soul cancer. And I rose again from the dead so that you could all be free. This is the gospel. Believe that I died for your sins. I rose again from the dead. And then he ascended back to his father and he gave us the baton. And he said, you need to preach the true Jesus, the right Jesus. The last thing, maybe this will be a super short sermon, which will be a first for me. The last thing about the real Jesus is he would tell us The real Jesus is worth it all. He's worth it all. So what are the things we've heard? You can get killed following him. If you've never got any grief for your Christianity, I doubt you're following Jesus. Nobody's ever given you any hard time. You know, everybody in your family who calls himself a Christian loves the way you're doing everything. You're probably not following Jesus for real. Because he says you're going to get trouble and you could get killed. But he's going to give you life. If you've not been radically transformed and found new peace, joy, freedom in your life, increasing day by day, the deeper you go into this relationship, you haven't found the true Jesus. If you're in some burdensome religion, you're trying to earn your way to God, you haven't found him. The real Jesus says the most outrageous kinds of things that if it was a man speaking to us in Starbucks, we would call you know, the police or somebody to come take him away and put him in a mental hospital, unless, of course, what he was saying was true. The real Jesus demands complete surrender and obedience. He doesn't just want to give you a ticket to heaven. He wants you to spend eternity with him, but he wants you to get involved in reaping the harvest. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of harvest to raise up laborers. The real Jesus claims to be God, not a prophet. Muslims say he's a prophet. Wrong. Your college professor says he's a moral teacher. Wrong. He never said he was a prophet, just a prophet. He never said he was just a moral teacher. He said he was God with skin on. The real Jesus demands change every single day. You've heard me say this before. Some people, one, one guy many years ago said to me, Jesus was a lot nicer than you are to me. And I said, you must have never read your Bible, my friend. He was kind. He was good. But nice, smarmy, nice. Oh, you just do it exactly the way. It's great, great, great. Everyone's great. Every opinion's great. Everyone's trying as hard as they can. Pet peeve. Don't say that to me. Trying as hard as you can. That's like self-justifying, self-pity talk. Jesus is like, change now. You're selfish. You're wrong. He tells his best friend, get behind me, Satan. Look, man, we got to run a tight ship here if we're going to save the world. He demands change. That's why we study the Bible. That's why we pray. Why? Because he's conforming us to his very image. He's making us like him. But remember, we're having fun, right? It's not this ogre, burdensome, oppressive thing. The real Jesus, we experience more and more joy and fullness. Said, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. Why is he so hard on us? He's trying to get the good fruit out of us. I enjoy being myself. The longer I walk with Jesus, anybody say amen?
the real someday you're going to stand before the real Jesus. And he's going to say, all right, give an account for those short 70, 80 years you were allowed to exist on planet Earth. Give me an account. He says this again and again and again. You're going to stand before me. In the final chapters of the Gospels, he says the Son of Man is going to come on the clouds of glory to judge the nation. And the high priest rips his clothes and says, this man is blaspheming. Or he's telling the truth. And again, the real Jesus is worth everything. Oh, I don't think it's, you know, I feel like God's asking me to break up with my girlfriend. I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it. The Lord's telling me maybe I'm in the wrong career track. You know, my parents want me to become a dentist and get, you know, be financially secure, some high, high income. I think maybe God wants me to go on missions. I think God maybe wants me to go to the homeless. I think maybe God wants me to go to Bible college. I just don't know if it's worth it. You know what else Jesus said? Unless you hate your father and mother, your wife. Well, Jesus, I thought you wanted us to love. He said, look, I'm uh, using some strong language here. Balance it all out. Of course, you got to love people. I'm saying their opinions, when they go against my opinions, are of no account to you. Because the only thing that matters to you is you're listening to me. He says, until you get to that place, you're not worthy to follow me. What's an analogy? Some people like to put some other. I, you have to understand how a word is being used in the context. Somebody told me the other day, I hate the Denver Broncos. So we're putting together a militia. We're all going to bring ARs, hangar nades. We're going to kill them all. But that's not what I meant. What, the, what in the world? Are you crazy? That's not what I meant. It's not what Jesus meant either. He's like, look, I'm trying to make a point here. Don't be stupid. Don't over-literalize things. Just get the point. Yes, I use exaggeration. I use hyperbole. I'm trying to make the point. My opinion is the only thing that matters. When your wife differs from that, I counsel friends of mine. People say, hey, knock this Jesus stuff up out, you know, just out of your life or I'm out of here. I'm not going to stop. And they're out. They leave. That's Jesus. That, that Those kind of people are the people I need. Your devotion, your love for me, when compared with your the ability of these people to affect your life, it's non-existent. As different as love is from hate. Now, of course, you love everybody, and you love everybody a lot better when they're Christians. But that's the true Christ. But what the Apostle Paul and everybody else in Scripture would tell you, and people like Jason was mentioning, David Wilkerson, all our heroes, the Amy Carmichaels, I love Dale Moody, what all these people would tell you at the end of their life. It was worth it all. And if I had 10,000 lives to spend and die and sacrifice and give up for that Jesus who is God in the flesh, who died for my sins, who came to give me life, it was worth it all. And in Philippians, Paul says, I count everything that I was before Christ like uh, we could find a visual aid out here in City Park, like a pile of dog excrement, all the wealth, all the acclaim. Everything the world's climbing after. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than mansions or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-scarred hands than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything 
the world affords today. But that's the final thing Jesus would say. It's worth it all. If you find your life in this world and you find some Jesus that will accommodate you in this world, you're going to be in for a root shock. If you find the real Jesus, yeah, he's radical. He's outrageous. He demands a lot, but he gives you all the strength you need to do anything he's ever going to ask you to do. So, that's about it. This is what I believe Jesus would tell us if we went out with him to a coffee shop. He tells us, that's who I am. Many false Christs, false prophets will arise and deceive many. I'll say to many on that day, I never knew you. Depart from me. Tears streaming down his face. Let it not be us. How do you know you're getting it right? Because you're loud and proud about it. And what you do, it starts to have a supernatural touch to it. Because God's like, ah, oh, they're getting it. Let me come back them up. Let me start doing some miracles. Occasionally, you're going to lay hands on somebody in the world. Kind of literal file here. I had a, a fracture in my spine, and now I feel great. And then go to the doctor, and it's fixed. You're going to walk people out of the mental hospital. You're going to pray over people and addictions are going to be broken because you're now representing Jesus properly. And God says, hey, you support me. You honor me. I'm going to honor you. And so I just want to encourage you guys. Again, this, uh, you want to know what Jesus' opinion is about anything? It's all in the book. Anybody didn't like anything I said? I said, let's just open the book. These are all direct scripture quotations who he is, who he said he was. And uh, just being here in City Park, let's never be ashamed. And if we are ashamed, let's figure out why. And say, God, destroy that, kill that. We're talking about a revival that happened in Australia at Saturday Seminar. That at that time, that group went and knocked on every door. I think it was in Melbourne twice. That group went and knocked on every door twice to tell them about Jesus. You want to know why God backed them up with power? They're going to represent him right. And God says, hey, you back me up. I got you. So that's who Jesus is. Straight from the lamb's mouth, not the horse's mouth. So uh, make your adjustments. we got to make adjustments. He's not politically correct. He doesn't need everyone's approval. He, he loves people and he wants to save them. And he wants us to represent him truly. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Thank you for this opportunity to say the name of Jesus in City Park. We love you, Jesus. We serve you, Jesus. We bow the knee to you, Jesus, the Jesus of Scripture, the one and only unique Son of God the Father. We love you. We worship you. We devote our lives to you. Correct our vision of you. Help us to be loud and proud about representing you so that the world will be saved and come to know you. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, well, thanks for coming. And wow.